This is the Door Knocker Podcast, where we dive into the explosive growth of the sales industry. We take an in-depth look with the industry's top talent to uncover what has made them successful as salespeople, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We believe all of life's opportunities are just behind the next door. With that being said, opportunities knocking. I'm your host, Zach Ross. All right, so on today's episode, I'm actually really pumped. Um, it's actually our first female guest. We've been working pretty hard to lock her down because she's a bit of a of a savage on the doors. And so um, today we have Sully. Sully, how are you today? And again, thanks for taking out some time for us. No, they, like I'm seriously, anyone who reaches out to me, I always feel like honored. That's just the amazing part about the space and the social media uh, space, as well as being able to connect and and read and chat with people that I wouldn't normally see in real life. So thank you. Yeah, I feel the same. Zoom like made this podcast um, possible way more than probably I think before. So COVID had some good and negative effects, right? Yeah. Yeah. I might like steal some of this because I'm normally like, I'm so not tech savvy that I typically will like fly back to like my camera guy or whatever, have them come. But you're doing awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate that. And anything we can do to help you, you know, we were just helping River. We had River on, and he's like, "Yo, I need this and this." And I, I'm like, "Yeah, dude, what? I'll help my competition, dude. No problem." You know, <laughs> I saw that. His looks awesome too. I I love Rivers, and I love how short his are. I like I listen to his all the time. Yeah, we're we've actually been bouncing it back and forth recently on probably some like um, doing some like weekly like just like thoughts, you know, just like popping yeah. in doing a weekly thought, like a quick little here's a little idea. Oh, an objection thing or this or that. So we've, we've been bouncing that. I I agree too. Sometimes I need a quick one as well. Yeah. So we were taking some notes before, but, um, so you've, you've been in the industry 13 years. Yeah. So this will be my 13th summer. I started back in 2008, right after a, uh, LDS mission. Oh, did you grow up LDS? So I grew up an active member, but I was inactive. And uh, once I left the house, I needed to find my own journey and and all the goods. But yeah, I did come back and become active. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Leaving the house is in like your parents' house? So I was actually, my mom had me when she was 16. And I was actually raised by who I call my grandma, but she's actually my great, great aunt. She's just like an old lady who just didn't have really anything to her name. And the one thing in her household, it was just like the LDS church was humongous. She was the biggest believer of God and Christ. And so I grew up in a very strict uh, LDS family or LDS culture that as soon as I turned 18, I was turned off and gone. But yeah, I was living with my aunt. That's incredible. Uh, I didn't know that. So where, where, where were you born? So I was actually born in California, but then I was raised in West Valley, Utah. And then as soon as I graduated high school, I was going to school at Cal State Long Beach. And then I turned in my papers to go on a mission. Once I had my own journey um, and reconversion, I ended up getting called to go serve in Utah. (laughs) And then uh, after that, got married and went back to California. So, yeah. Where'd you, I'm sorry, where'd you serve your mission? In Utah. In Utah. I'm sorry. You just like said so many cool things in a row. My head just starts going like, whoa. That's why I got to take notes because I'm like, oh. yeah. you guys say yeah. so many cool things I forget, you know? No, you're getting, no, I'm the same. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, um, wow, I didn't expect that at all. 
So, uh, and she raised you your whole, your great aunt raised you your whole life. She, um, she came and basically adopted me, but in the Polynesian culture, it's never a paperwork court adoption. It's just, I'm gonna come pick you up in your mind kind of thing. So at a family reunion at three years old, yeah. She definitely at uh, a family reunion me. at three years old. She said, "Yeah, uh, Soli is mine. Thank you very much." That's what happened. <laughs> well, it was more so. My mom was just super young, and um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, and my aunties at that age they were all working, so there wasn't really anyone in the home to base to basically tend to me. And so when my grandma would come, my great aunt would come to a family reunion she would just see me and kind of like, holy heck, like someone needs to take care of her. And, um, she offered to just take me and watch me for a bit. And then she would just never give me back. So that's how that happened. Um, <laughs> uh, we had, do you know, Seth, do you know Seth at all? Do you know Seth Grenny? No, I'm, I may look popular on social media, but I don't know anybody. <laughs> well, it's funny. You like, I mean, many things in common, I think <laughs> maybe I'm really we're gonna, not. Yeah. I'll shoot you. I'm going to have to look him up. You know, we'll shoot you the podcast. He was one of, one of Lee's closest friends, and we had him on the podcast. And very, I mean, he's 30, 31. He's my age. Uh, very similar. I think very similar. I mean, he didn't get, he chose to go to the Polynesian culture, but in, and I think he was in West Valley, Utah as well. So kind of interesting. Um, wow. probably, one of, probably one of the greatest solar reps of all time, to be fair. Um, I'll, I'll put that argument wow. up against anybody. So, okay. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll look him we'll, up. Yeah. We'll have to send you his podcast. It's pretty cool. Um, so, so you went and served your mission. How was that? Was that, I mean, what was that? Was that experience? How, how was it for you? So it was awesome because I, I grew up in a very strict LDS home. And then I went and became a rebel because I was, it was just like, I'm finally out of this cage and, you know, just went and basically lived my life. And, uh, when I became reconverted myself and, and chose to do it when I served a mission, I basically was like this obedient Nazi that my grandma was on the mission. And <laughs> I think that's honestly why one of the leaders on the mission had reached out to me because I took serving a mission so seriously because it was just like, I was there to literally like save humans. Like I was there for God's work and oh. there was no, like, I just felt like I would be doing like my, myself and my God, I didn't care about anyone else, like a disservice if I didn't take it seriously. So you would never catch me like breaking a rule, like all the missionaries who were like trunky, meaning that yeah. they would want to go just thinking about home and their boyfriends and marriage and all these things. It was exhausting because I was always put with them. And then they would always wrap me out to the, uh, to the mission president. He's basically a guy who's, who's over all the missionaries mm basically like a branch manager and um and uh he so what he would do because i would just like walk quicker or things like that he'd always make sure that i have a car so that none of my companions can complain about how quickly and swiftly i'm trying to get to the next door to the next human to the next soul to the next um person and uh, even when we were on bikes my wow. companions basically hated me because i was never late to anything. I was always early. I was, there was always something to do. And if there wasn't, there was a door to be knocked. And I just, I believed in knocking doors. <laughs> from the beginning, from, from, from the beginning. Yeah. From I did not mission. believe in, yeah. I did not believe in reaching out to members. I did not, like, I 
like half my schedule was knocking doors <laughs> and I, my companions hated it, but I loved it. And it was just so many people. Um, but because of that, I had knocked into, uh, a family and ended up starting this whole African branch community um, who ended up all being baptized and all these things. And I just, I'm just a true believer in knocking doors and go finding your own success, I guess I'll have to say. Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, well, yeah. I don't want to stay on this topic for too long, but it's always yeah. so interesting to me because it's like, you knocked in Utah? I mean, like, what? How do you knock? How do you, how do you, how do you sell? How do you do? I don't understand. How do you sell the? How do you sell LDS to Utah? They're already so, bought I, in. I, yeah, talk about oversaturated market. You know. Well, well, I think it's also a misconception. It's kind of like what we tell reps when they're going into an area that's already been knocked for years at a time. You just assume that people have been there. Yes, there's a ton of LDS people in Utah, but I actually served 16 months in one city in Rose Park. And I cannot even tell you how many people were moving in and out, how many refugees mm. were coming. I felt like I was in a totally different country and I had grew up in this state for like practically my whole life. And so a lot of people do get that misconception about like Utah being, it, it is dominant, but there's so many people that relatives that'll come and live with them that know nothing or just moved in for work or things like that. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, and so from that, you you do you go straight to because I know you started in the industry in 2008. So do you go straight to doors after your mission? Like, or was there a lab? Yeah, or? yeah. So I actually had a really good job um, after the mission, and it was funny because um, my AP and the reason why I'm trying to reference this because I know when people listen to your podcast, they're not going to understand some of the ter- the LDS terms. But yeah, thank you. So so I had a uh, I had an AP. You would basically look at him as like your regional you know, in sales or, or something like that, who, who reached out to me after the mission. And I was like knocking and I had two of them, like two of my APs or two of my regional managers who were like, Suli, you enjoyed knocking doors. Like you should come and give this a shot. One was doing Vivint and the other one was doing pest control. And at the time this pest company was called, um, they changed so many times, but I believe it was, um, EcoSure. Yeah, it was EcoSure at the time. And it was funny, uh, the, the job that I was in, I was basically, you know, making like 25 bucks an hour. I was doing like really well, it, it, you know, for coming home from my mission, going to school, that was a great yeah. job. And he was just like, look, if all else fails, like just come give me a shot for like three weeks. And, you know, worst case scenario, you had a vacation and I paid for everything. And so I basically told my parents what I was doing and they practically disowned me there's like there's no way that you can go to this because they helped me get the job that I was in and it was just like there's no way that you can go and make six figures doing something and you know they're super Polynesian and they believe in the nine to five you you just go and work there's no such thing as commission like it's just all like you, you can't and the 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 guy from Vivint who reached out to me and I felt bad because I love them both they reached out to me within an hour of each other. And I only chose the other one because I was just like, well, you called me first. So it was kind of like, you know, coming right home from my mission. I'm like, well, I got to be honest. And it was just like, he came first and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go this way. And then, um, you know, by the end of the summer, my parents were flabbergasted at my checks and stuff like that. And so 
um, that's basically how I got into the, uh, to the door-to-door industry was someone who saw me on my mission, just enjoy knocking doors, happen to reach out. And here I am 13 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to sum it up. So I think we can end the podcast there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but, uh, so yeah, anytime anyone tells me they made money selling pests, I'm still shocked. So, you know, I, I, really? I, I mean, I would, you know, I have my opinions, but I mean, you're in solar now, so that's kind of probably where my my arrogant comments come from. But mad respect it's to anybody that sells pests. It's true, but there is definitely good money in pest control, like especially when I started, for sure. I mean, there's good money in pests, but there is definitely better money in solar. I'm like, I do not understand why pest companies are still there. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, so your first summer, where, where, where'd you do your first summer? So I sold in Seattle, Washington, basically the land of all things green and, you know, uh, uh, green products and people who love their spiders. I I think that would actually be a great market for solar now that I think about it. Um, (laughs) Because uh, and I was actually on a, a team with eight other women. And it was kind of funny because I did not like women for the first few years in the door-to-door space and I was like say the way I was on my mission was exactly the way that I was on this team it was just like there how could you not go knock a door like how right. are you not on the doors by 10 31 right the same way that I was on my mission was right. how I was in Seattle <laughs> wow and and yeah. and and that year you know I what I've got for you there is um your first year selling pests as a rookie you broke the record was it four women or was it just the record overall with 316 accounts? For for the girls, their period. So the record there that year was 316. I mean, I think for the guys that year, the record was like 400. And like way back 13 years ago, doing anything above 300 pest accounts was like humongous. And yeah. so once I realized that I enjoyed being there, I asked them, I was like, what did the best girl do here in this company? And it happened to be my team leader's cousin who did 311. And I was like, well, I'm not going home until I do at least 312. That's right. I did have to, yeah, I did have to stay an extra like five days, but then I, I did the the 316 just to say that I broke her record. Yeah. So Matt, I mean, I, I just, I love that your type of stories where it's like you get immediate pushback from your family. Like, you know, it's not like you're getting support to go out there. Like You've nope. already been knocking doors for a couple of years. Uh, you know, probably the hardest sale in the whole world, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Which is oh, yeah. which is that book. And then, you know, you're enjoying it, you're loving it, and then you 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 just with all adversity, even I mean, like you're just I think overcoming adversity since three years old, right? So just yeah. mad respect overall, like just mad respect to just you know, I mean, that's just pretty. That's a pretty unbelievable thing to do, and and I think you know, yeah. Um, yeah so I just had to drop that in in case I forget to just give you that respect before the podcast Thank over, you, you know. Um, yes, it's definitely tricky. Yeah. And then so from that year on, so you, you've you only ever done summers. And then I see or what, what, what I've been told is that you've got a few summers where you were pregnant. Yeah. So basically, I started in 2008. Um, I got engaged uh, the following year, well, 2008, like 2009. And then I got engaged 2010 while on the doors. He we were dating long distance. And then he flew in. And then we were married by the following summer. And so I was running a team. He was actually my 
service technician. Um, and, and then, uh, we almost had a divorce our very first year. (laughs) I'm so like, I was like, this is going to be great. He's going to go service all my accounts, but he's working for the company, not for me. And so I'd be texting him. I'm like, I just told this customer you're going to show up in 30 minutes. He's like, the branch manager just just told me it's me or him. Who are you choosing? No, you did not. No, you did not. Yeah. And so on Sundays, he would be like out servicing my accounts. Like he had like, there was no such thing as a lunch break for him because it was during his lunch hours in between servicing for the branch manager. He would come and service my accounts. And then finally my branch manager called me and was like, Suli, your husband works for our company, not for you. (laughs) Like, and like no one else is getting the advantage of like having a technician to show up at all hours out of the day. Like you can't either. And, um, anyways, and so we had those boundaries there and I was like the following year, I was like, you're not working for this company. It, only one of us can. <laughs> like, and it's me. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't enjoy sales anyways. And so, um, he went and did his thing. And then, yeah, I did the following summer with my eldest daughter, Anarisa. I was definitely overweight. I was probably like 200 pounds than I am now. And he would just see me like walking up to each door. Like people would confuse me with being pregnant and just being fat or obese. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I would always hold my clipboard above the stomach so that they wouldn't be confused and just kind of just see my face as I'm like standing there at the door. And it had gotten to the point where I was like eight months pregnant that like my team leaders would freak out that I'd be texting them like thinking I'm going into labor to find out that it was contractions I'm having on the doors or like uh, Braxton Hicks. And then they would come and check up on me. Like, let's take you to the hospital. I'm like, I'm good now. And then just like walk on to like the next door. Um, and it was just kind of like it, it happened up until like a week I gave basically had a C-section. The doctor was just like, you're ridiculous. We've got to take the kid out kind of thing. And, um, I ended up having a a C-section probably a week after I was done knocking doors. But even with Anarisa, I would do eight weeks every year that I was pregnant. I swore that I would always do at least half a summer. And up until her birth, I think I had serviced about 276 accounts before going and giving birth and then like prepping for next summer to come and do it again. So I don't even know what to say. I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't I'm stuck, you know, like, holy yeah. moly, dude, like that's beast mode. You like, yeah i'm gonna play this back for all the guys that work because here you know it's funny it's like lee we were talking before like and i've been texting my buddy nico he he runs a a, a vivant a organization at this point with uh, pat mendez in, in texas and um he recruits a lot of women and i i think women i think women are the best i period i, I yeah I, i'm i'm in i signed up like i agree like i'm done recruiting men like i, you I know, love it you know what i'm saying like they don't call me yeah. honestly i have multiple i think i have like four women on there's multiple in our organization but it's on my team um and they don't they don't i mean they call me to bitch like when i do something wrong don't get me wrong like they let me know like i got a girl heiress that literally will tell me uh, every night like a laundry list i'm like well thank you for your feedback like appreciate it you know but like I they it. don't call me in between doors they don't call me like whining they just call me like hey i got this objection how do i overcome it they're not like I've got dudes on my team that are like me. I'm the same. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll call you. Like, <laughs> they yelled at me. I don't know what to yeah. do. You know, I don't have women. Don't do that. So I'm like, why would I recruit men? Like, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. hire you if you're a guy. Don't get me wrong. But like, I'd rather have women on my team. You know, I love that. I mean, there's <laughs> definitely some needy women out there for well, sure. Well, you know what I mean, though. 
Yeah. And I'll be honest, like I, I definitely had a male mentality my first four years in the industry. I feel like it's why I'm the way that I am right now with like women trying to give back. But the first four years I bought into like women are just like needy. Women are emotional, like they can't keep up. And I was so like, I just had the mindset, even with like men, if people complain to me about like someone died in their family and I was like, you're not going to be able to change anything. So why aren't you knocking doors? That's basically my answer. I legitimately, the the lady who raised me died while I was on the doors. I Mm. flew home to see her and was back crying on the doors the following week and knocking doors. Mm. Like there was, I just, I had a hard time accepting people's excuses. I've definitely emotionally matured since then for sure. Um, but I was just weird. I, I feel like it was just a lot different for me when I first started my first few years to where I am now. I mean, that's like, I think, uh, you know, I've been honored and privileged enough to talk to some of the best that I've ever done on this podcast and many, many more to come you included. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's mostly the same. It's the same response. It's like, you know, and you hear third party, like, Oh, that guy was a, you know, an asshole, like in his early career and like people hated him, but like, Oh, he created the largest organization ever in the history of doors. Okay. And now he's a soft guy 20 years later, but like there's some tenacity and grit that has to come with. I mean, you can't, I mean, you know, we talk about it a lot in here with Brian Tracy, different books, different teachings, but like, you know, you you can't get away from it, dude. You got to have positive self-talking. You got to be hard on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I, and I, definitely agree like looking there's no way that i'd be where i'm at emotionally now and i feel like i was never a good leader then also having that mindset and this is like the first year ever in 13 years of doing this that i actually enjoy being a leader and actually enjoy like chatting recruiting but it took all those years of me needing to be emotionally mature enough to like enjoy um the different aspects that come with reps emotionally and i'm just like i just bought into things way too soon that it just didn't help me at the time that's incredible um and so uh so i want to touch on one thing though that keeps coming to my mind while you're talking because we're talking about like a lot of physical adversity right um and emotional in a way but what i want to know is like you know you go to pest your first second third years you know even before you start having your kids and getting married but um you know what did solely have to deal with mentally, if anything, you know, between each door, before doors, after doors, like, you know, you're a summer away. I know that you've been, you know, probably around a little bit by this time in your life, but like, you know, you're a summer away from anybody, you know, what was it like for you that in, in that, in that regard? Yeah. And I've talked about this in, in a couple of episodes on, uh, on my podcast, how, a lot of people see all the great numbers, like people see the end result and not um, what was happening in between doors, like how often I was like throwing divorce at like my husband's face because I was just so like dead exhausted from like reps. And then like how often I was like disowned by like my parents, because it was just like, I've come from a place where we have no money. Absolutely. And then to hear and see like the amount of money that you can give and then being called like stingy because you want to invest and do all these things as opposed to like giving, giving, giving to people who you've given an opportunity to. And then don't like I throughout like my first like several years just never had great relationships at home, Mm. like with my uh, with my parents and things like that. And it just it, it took a lot of toll several years, like during the summer. I have gone through a lot of things. I should have sought therapy a lot sooner. 
um, than I did like looking back. And the year that I did um, my, that I had a thousand pest, pest accounts serviced, I literally almost lost my life giving birth to my youngest son. Like um, because of all of the, uh, the risks that I was taking during that time, I, he was born five weeks early. Um, I was told that I would have like a a 40% chance of like living. And he was also going to be born with only five fingers. And I woke up from the, from the, uh, from the table of giving birth and literally was like, is this what heaven looks like? (laughs) Like I, assumed and was planning for death because it was just it's all these things I was told I've always had negative things that had happened in my life that I just expect them uh to happen Mm. and when I woke up and realized that that I'm not dead (laughs) that I had more to do I was like there is no reason that I'm not going to find gratitude every single day there is no reason that I'm not going to be grateful for the job for the opportunity uh, that I have, and I just can't take life or anything else for granted. But a lot of times, like people just don't see all that. They just see Suli's numbers. They just see all these things, not realizing that I've had to seek therapy the last three years. There's a lot of things that happened in my childhood that um, just played a role in like the mindset that I had towards people and towards the industry. And it wasn't until I like sought help for myself, because it's just not something you do in the community, in your community, you don't go to therapy. People don't talk about it in society. People don't, they don't look at it as like the gym. Like if you want to be healthy, you're going to stay active. And I'm a firm believer in that too. Um, But just discussing and talking about all the the obstacles that I did have during those summer months. I mean, there was even a couple of, a couple of years where my husband didn't have a job. I had to go out and knock even during COVID. We were cash poor. All our monies were in funds. We were renting out our properties. And I was like, I felt blessed that I didn't take rent from any of our tenants to only come to find out that my husband's job was like, well, we can't take you back. And I was only planning on doing a a six week summer and like just traveling and living life with my kids. And it was like, buckle up. You're going to go and do what you know how to do. And that turned into my thousand uh, serviced year. Um, and it was just, I, God is great. (laughs) That was probably the most powerful thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. I'll be honest. Um, that's, uh, yeah, pretty miraculous. Um, I'm, I'm blown away. So thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Cause I, you know, and, and I, uh, trauma is a real thing, you know? Um, and you know, I've been going through something for the last like two days. Like I've been, you know, and I'll share briefly because this isn't about me. It's about you, but I have a similar experience recently. Like my best friend's been living on the streets for like five years and I've been trying to find him for like a year. And we, I let, I came down the office for the first Friday and I took a left, I took a right. And I've literally been slowly every day coming to work. Cause he's supposed to be panhandling down by the office. Right. Cause our office is downtown. I legitimately am feeling chills. No, it's true. Like, and then my, and my girlfriend just like looks out the side of the window of the car. Now, mind you, and I don't, and I'm not saying any of this arrogantly right now. Okay. So, and, and I'm, I'm just saying like, I'm driving a Porsche. Remember this. Okay. This is my best friend. <laughs> he was one of my first original mentors, coolest dude I ever met. And my girlfriend looks out the side of the, the window and he's, he's right there on the corner. You know, and I sat with him for an hour and I and I and he's in worse shape than anybody I've ever seen in my whole life and he doesn't want help. And I spent all day yesterday crying and I just like I was like, I didn't know I don't know what to do. So I'm just gonna whatever. Here's some money and I'll find you again and I'll give you some more money because I wish somebody would do it for me. 
But what you're saying to me is so powerful for me to hear because it's like, I, you know, I, I think it's true. Like I, I've sought therapy recently in the last year or so, intensive therapy that's just been probably one of the most helpful things I've ever done in my whole entire life. And like, yeah. I don't care what anybody says anymore. Like you want to talk yeah. smack about it? Like, okay, yeah. I'm winning right now, homie. So good yeah. luck with that. And that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. So I, I do think it's so beautiful that you shared that so openly so so many people can hear that because yeah, I think mental health and, and Doug Cartwright talked about on this podcast, mental health is such a huge thing in our industry. That's just like, yeah, just shut like not not how you were explaining it, which is like just go to work. But like, yeah. you know, some people struggle with some real things in this industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we bottle it up and just put it into this like box. And it's legitimately like what I did year after year after year in order to do well in this industry. Like I felt like we couldn't have emotions. You're just supposed to just be a, a robot. I started in a company, which I'm truly thankful for, because I feel like that's where my work ethic came from. But it was just like a Navy SEAL camp you're on the doors at this time there's no way that you can't go and like knock a billion doors you have to be the best you have to do all these things everything else you can deal with it at the end of four months you know like kind of thing <laughs> yeah i've never knocked a summer so mad respect you know what i mean so i, I got anyone that does summers is is just it's just a lot of it's just yeah i got mad respect for y'all i mean i get lee and i talk about all the time because it's like you know you take yourself out of your environment right and that's what you're yeah. doing you're removing yourself from any distractions or anything yeah. and you're just you're at, it's like you're at you're at boot camp or you're at hell yeah. or whatever it is right yeah uh, i do have a couple of notes here so what year in the industry did you finally sell a thousand pest accounts um so last year was my thousand twelfth so the twelfth summer. summer but i the summer before that i did 752 the summer before that i did like five something and so it was definitely a progression every single year even after kids and and, and all of that. So it wasn't like 3000 to a thousand, I'm at 300 to a thousand. So I think I, for the first like three or four years, I always did between 316 and 375 year four. I ran a team of 20 reps who literally all of them left to Vivint by the end of the summer. And no one saw that, but it was also the one summer where I did the best and did 401 literally had a team of 22 reps and all of them left me <laughs> I was like this overweight mom and my ass was like, well, I don't have anyone. So I guess I gotta go knock for myself. And then I go and, you know, basically knock by myself while they all hang out and prep to go and switch over to a vivid, you know, by the end of the summer. And then following year, I go to New Jersey where being black um, and being in a state where I, seven of my reps were of color and permitting was just horrid there. They, they do not believe in door to door. It's just so new. And so we, I only had two and a half months of knocking and I still did 548 accounts in those eight weeks, but spent most time trying to bail my reps out of cop cars and courthouses because they're getting tickets or they're getting like fined or they're getting all these things for like door knocking, you know? And then the, the following year I go to Nashville and do like 700 accounts and then lose my best friend, you know, of like, 10 plus years during that time and still did 700 and, and some odd accounts and then come back the next year. And when I lose my life and it was just like, there's so many dramatic things that has happened every single year that I did well, that I just never openly like spoke about, but people just saw the end results. Yeah. Casey came out here. He said, you, you, you see the fruits, but you don't see the roots. Right. And so, yeah. you know, you don't see like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, you know, and, yeah. and that's like, we're, 
Casey also said, stay close to the doors. I mean, that's like, you know, that's very much what you're saying too. Um, you know, that's, that's what, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I, what about, so where did your, where'd your best friend go? So we didn't, she didn't go anywhere. We're now best friends again, but it was just like one of the most legitimately like a, a sister. We just had a, and this was also the year where I started seeking therapy later because I just had like a lot of unresolved issues, but she and I have been like best friends, wow. you know, since the mission. And then this year, just some, some things happened or some things were said. And it was just like, I legitimately lost and was disowned by like a sister, like to me. And it was just like a whole a year, the following year of not having that relationship, that family, that um, someone that I could, that literally knew the ins and outs, you know, of my entire like life. And it was, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. We recently hired, um, Arena. She's, uh, she's, um, she's uh, a black woman from, uh, Long Beach and she'd been like, uh, my girlfriend helps me like pr with promoting, she had a huge Instagram following. So like with recruiting and stuff. So Arena hit me up. She's like, I want this job. I was like, come do the job. And you know, I, you know, like what you're talking about, like, I, you know, I, 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 volleyed it in my mind for a while you know what i mean like i don't you know what what's it going to be like for her how's she going to do like mm -hmm. she's just got some grit and tenacity and she texts me that day she's like i'm like how are you doing she's like i'm happy it's tough but i'm gonna have to just because she wants to be that one person in her family like you are she wants and she's yeah she's probably going to get an insurmountable amount from i mean i can't even imagine what she's going to get out of this podcast from you i don't even think she knows who you are yet but i think she's probably going to fall in love with you because like i don't know like even even the thing in new jersey like it's like you know, think about it. Like, you know, I don't have this problem. I mean, like, I'm a, I'm like six two, like two forty five, six one. I'll, I'll lie, but yeah. like, you know, like, and, and I'm a big guy with a beard, but like, I can play it off with like, hey, you know, hey, like, you know, I can be like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to say you solar to calm down. Yeah, you know, I don't know what being a woman's like. I also don't know what being a person of color is like. I don't know what that's like yeah. at the door. And I think, but what I do know from everything that you're saying is it's not what you say. It's not how you say it. It's how you make them feel, you know? And that's, yes. and that, and so what was it like in Jersey that time going through all of that? Like, you know, the, it's almost like a purge where these people are like, they're yeah. taking your people to jail. Like, what was that? What was that experience? Like, did you lose hope indoors? Like, what was that like? Yeah. And so it was just kind of tricky because I mean, our company had never been in New Jersey and you, you know, I'm basically running a team on a marketing deal and just thinking about housing and all the costs that I'm going to have to pay for on top of like helping these guys want to come back. And um, it was just the most stressful, uh, heart wrenching, just seeing like people who are married too, and that they sacrifice and they believe me and they believe this company and they, they come out making zero dollars for like eight weeks because every time we knock a street, we are all like it, the streets are just swarmed with cops. <laughs> like it's not a whole like, Oh, just go and knock like the next block or let's go to the next city. It's like, we were on everyone's Facebook page. We were literally in like every like courthouse. Like I can't even remember how much of my own money that I was using to bail people out to get their cars from being towed because it looked suspicious in this oh like, yeah, in, in this neighborhood. And I mean, props to anyone who's back in New Jersey, but I still get a lot of people to this day who reach me, who, who are of color and are like, how did you make it to where, you know, you didn't deal with racist comments and you didn't, and I'm super empathetic because yes, I, I'm a woman and I, and I am of color, but that was one like 
bumper, I guess, or like visor that I have that like, I never remember the color of my skin mm. until like a rep reminds me mm. oh, like, it's just, like, that wow. is not a factor to me while I'm on the doors because it's like, it, it's what you're telling yourself. If you're going to go out there and you're just nervous about the skin color that people are perceiving you to be, it's going to be portrayed wow. on the doors. And I just never from day one to even now been, I've been called a nigger. I've been, um, been, told on Facebook pages that I, this is suspicious, like black girl. And I read all the comments and I'm like, wow, off to like the next door. Like life could be worse, <laughs> you know, like life could be worse um, than that. But now you, you call me those things now and I'm more in tune with my emotions. Side. I'm like, okay, I'm going to cry about it and then move on. Yeah, you're you having, know, a, hard, you're having a hard day over there, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just never remember like the color of my skin, like period. And so I, I have a hard time trying to like explain those things um, to people who feel like they're having a hard time with some of those things on the door. And I feel like being a woman is a strength. More people are going to feel sorry for us and give us four minutes of their time than they are like a guy. So I feel like we just, we have that over men and we should be using it to our advantage, whether we're seasoned or not, you know? I agree, and, but I don't want to hear yeah. any any of my guys complain that oh she's a woman that's why she's doing better than me. I don't want to hear that. Shit, you know, <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I don't want a dude calling me going like oh she wears a low cut shirt. I'm like then you wear a low cut <laughs> shirt, bruh. You know what I mean? Do a couple more curls. I in don't the car. wear shorts on the doors. You will never see me wear anything outside of long pants. Even when I'm in the summer, Respect. like my shirts like all but like Respect. I am never like yeah you don't yeah but you also have a different kind of look. I mean like you know what I mean? Like you have a look like and, and I, think, I am and unique. That's 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 a, I think that's like, but that, that has to be, and I've told that like one, you know, this guy, Sam, that we hired is working for us. Like he, he, like, I'm like, dude, you, you, he's got a doctorate in literature. And he was like, you know, I don't want to like tell anybody about that. I'm like, I'm like, bro, do you know how unique you are? Like, do you have, like, he made more money last month than he made the whole year before doors. Right. I believe it. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, do you not know how unique you are, dog? Like, yeah. let these suckers know, like, let them know, like you're, you, you're unique. <laughs> um, and I think that like everything, the culmination of what you're talking about is like, yeah, like be your own person, go through the adversities, like find it within yourself. But what I do want to talk about as well is your, what's your husband's name? So his name is Walter. Walter, what a good name. Yeah. So so what what what's Walter's experience walking this road with you um you know just throughout watching you overcome all this stuff and what and his continue so he supports you during summers and you know what's that been like for you guys like did, I, he obviously had no clue what he was signing up for so mad respect yeah. to, mad respect to Walter you know what I'm saying but you know like what yeah. what's that been like for you guys I should like, I definitely need to have him like on an episode because yeah, it, it's true. And and here's the thing before Walter, I actually dated a guy who was exactly like me, red personality, um, just, just super stuff, like outgoing, all the things. And we clashed every day for five years. <laughs> like, wow. um, and then you have Walter. Um, if you look at like Jesus or like the freshest <laughs> cut with the calmest most collective person like that just doesn't say anything but will swoop in when he needs to like that is Walter we are complete opposites we have nothing in common besides our belief in God mm. and our wow. um and our uh kids and we've been married 11 years later now and 
the thing is for Walter, it, it's crazy because where I fall short, he definitely falls in. And so he's always been in a job. He works for the pipe fitters union. So he's able to be off during the summer and it worked out perfectly and he'd still get wow. paid. And then eight months out of the year, he'd be at work gone and I'd be the one home, you know, with the kids. And so it's always been that way. But the last few years as he's been progressing in his industry, I felt guilty in the sense of like, man, I should be allowing him to do his thing. Like he was going to school. He was like pursuing his certificates and he was just, he loves his job. And, um, so as he was doing those things, I would be home with the kids. But one thing that we found is, uh, we were just having like so many nannies and just like people at home, uh, with our kids the last few years. And the last summer, um, at active, when we came back and he was going, he, or, or my last or company, he just saw like how anxious I was just knowing that one of us weren't home with the kids. It's like, how are we making all this great money doing all these things? And our kids hardly see us mm. like together. And, um, when I transitioned into solar, he was just kind of like, look, like we're doing great. I feel, and he enjoys like truthfully, like those women out there who enjoy being a stay at home mom, like bless their hearts. I look up to them because I cannot sit still. I like, I'm excited to be home, but I enjoy working. I, and, and my husband, yes, he enjoys working. Um, but he enjoys fatherhood more. Mm. And he is the absolute, I mean, the, the year that I was, um, obese in New Jersey, he realized how emotional, how emotional it was for me that he legitimately knew in order for me to do well, he had to like step up at home. He would meal prep my food. He knows nothing about meal prepping. He knows nothing about macros, but he looked up like my macros. He did research on like the foods that I needed. And for 10 months, for 10 months straight, starting during the summer months, he would have my breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, packed. I wasn't working out, but I lost all this weight um, that definitely like helped me do better on the doors because he went and, and saw and researched the things like he is always doing things at home so that I don't have to stress like on the doors. And so what we've concluded, and it's why we've gotten into, uh, investments and other things is so he can be at home taking care of those things with our kids. And our kids always has one of us at home while I'm out pursuing something that I, hope I won't be out doing like too much longer. Yeah, no. <laughs> so he's mad, definitely awesome. Mad respect with that. Um mad respect with that. Like I don't yeah. even know. I mean, we were just talking to Ty Williams a couple of days ago and and um you know, he's you know, and Kenny Cox talks about it like how important, you know, the 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 spouse is. So whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Like that that's like people don't get that in this industry that like you know, your sales reps got to go out with a positive attitude every day. And if that yeah. means that you got a meal prep form or whatever, like that, I mean, that's yeah. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful relationship that you guys have. So, you know, congratulations yeah. on that. And, 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 and I, and I love, I just love hearing that stuff. Cause it never, I don't know. I didn't pay. I don't think I paid as much of attention to it. I've been with my girl a long time, but I don't think we paid that much of attention to it till like I got on doors, you know? Um, yeah. I both agree. Sides. Yeah. So what's it yeah. been like? What's, you know, you fell into solar in November. What's, what's solar been like for you? What's that transition been like? And, you know, what's, what's that experience been for you? So it was mainly like I, so my last summer um, with Pest, 
I was like, you know what? There's so many like women who are just like reaching out. And I was just in a lot and just in a better space uh, mentally that I was just like, well, if my company is not going to create a program to where women can be taught, because I, the, the program that I started, I basically presented to the CEO of my company the following year before COVID. And it was just the comment was, we, um, we don't need to spend more money. We kind of need to find ways to uh, eliminate, you know, funds and things that are happening within in the company. And I just left it at that. I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then I go slay it and do a thousand uh, accounts. And then they recognize that I'm transitioning out. And it was like, hey, come back. Hey, I, I want to do all those things that you're doing. Um, so I started like, I don't, I mean, you know, from podcasts, like I'm not getting rich off of like coaching, like legitimately, I just started doing one-on-ones where I basically like take 15 girls and I spend like six hours a week, just like coaching them on mental space, coaching them on their pitches, having them send it out to me, prepping them for preseason, prepping them during the summer and then transitioning back, you know, into their following year, but just getting to know them on a deeper level and working with them on a deeper level so that they can go back in their own own industry and pass on what I'm saying and just have it grow there. Like, I don't need everyone to come and be on my team. I don't need everyone to come and be at Pure. What I'm hoping is that I can plant seeds in every industry, every Mm -hmm. team with all the women, and that there's enough of us to just spread it um, amongst the people that they're with. And so that was just like my small term goal. And I was coaching girls from internet, uh, pest, um, dish, uh, and I, it, yeah, of course alarms, but I hadn't tried alarms and, uh, solar. And so as some of the girls were telling me some of the stories that they were having, I couldn't relate and I felt like a hypocrite. And so what did I do? I go and knock doors for alarms and I fall flat on my face and I was more humbled than I ever was in my entire life. I'm like, bless the souls of you guys. And, and I gave up after a week. And then another girl told me about how she was doing solar and um, how she just didn't understand, like how people can easily set appointments, how people can easily like do all these things. And the concepts that I was teaching and, or that I am teaching in my coaching program, I was trying to prove that it could work in every industry. And so that's why I was like, okay, well, I need to practice what I preach. So I started meeting with solar companies, knowing nothing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go give it a shot and go do solar because I need to make sure that the program that I'm teaching actually works. So I went out with this company after meeting with a few and uh, the first three days, again, I fell flat on my face. I was like, holy cow, this is going to be another alarm thing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to allow it to happen. I'm telling them that these principles of your schedule, of the number of doors you're knocking, of the training, of writing out your pitch, like there is going to be success. And so I sold nothing the first three days on an eight-day blitz. And I ended up finishing with three accounts that I self-gen during that time and made a little over 33 grand and was like, well, that was a mistake. That was definitely a fluke. I'm going to go home and come back. So I went home and then I went and told a couple of friends from pest control and was like, hey, I think we should go and like try this out, yada, yada, yada. So we basically took the same principles from our pest company where we were on the doors a certain time. We would have a little morning meeting. We would only do a 45 minute lunch and then we would knock till dark. So we were basically putting in like eight to nine hours a day. And, you know, in that week doing six solar deals, you know, making a little over like 60 grand, I was like, what? 
like this works. And so I came back again. And honestly, within a 30 day time frame, I made more in 30 knocking days for solar than I did selling and being the number one pest control rep at my company servicing 1,012 accounts. And mind you, my regional manager lost money on me because I was, I was maxed out at the pay that I was getting at pest control. So I made more in 30 knocking days for solar than I did spending 156 knocking days for pest control. <laughs> yeah. And so um, then I ended up realizing that, you know, a lot of people, this is just definitely an easier transition. I was like, holy cow, people could make, uh, you know, what team leaders are grinding and hoping to make in pest. But the cool thing was I didn't have to recruit. I don't have to be a regional. We didn't have to be a VP. And that like was enticing. And the tricky thing is I still felt loyal to my previous company where I was like, I will come knock for you guys. I will come and do these things for six weeks for free, basically, because I felt so compelled to like women there. Um, but I'm going to go do solar. And it was just like, no. And they were wanting to like grow and do all these things for my program and all of that, which I didn't say, I obviously I didn't do. Um, and I'm still like small scale, but being here in the, in the solar industry and seeing how many more people can actually find success, having no experience, I've just been like flabbergasted at the transition and how easy it's been. And so, um, right now I'm at about 96, a little, I've definitely sold like 140 accounts, I think. Um, but I'll be at like 98 installed or something. Wait, since when? November? So how much did you do this summer? Yeah. So let's just say, so the summer, so I, so here I go by days because I run a summer program. So I do third, I do three weeks on and I, and I do a uh, one full week off for our team. So just for the summertime, I have done a uh, 110, um, <laughs> 110 and that's in 80 knocking days. So 80 knocking days. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel like an ant. I appreciate it. Sully. you're a beast. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel like an ant, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm like, be quiet now. Um, <laughs> let me ask. Yeah. It's just weird because I know people do summers, but I go by days because our schedule is not, We yeah, I just started a weird program. So have we called Sam yet to get a golden door for you? Did you get one for test? So, you know, what's funny one, I felt like an ant and Sam kind of brushed me off. And it's one of the reasons why I have so much fire under me to get a golden door for solar. I actually texted him because there was no woman who got a golden door award for pest control. And I saw the other guys at my pest company who was there getting a golden door award. And I I didn't even go, but I saw them get, and I was like, Hey, shouldn't I have gotten a golden door award? He's like, give it a shot next year. Like flat out. (laughs) And I legitimately, legitimately as a woman, like, should have gotten it um last summer and so one of my posts this year was like i'm definitely going to be getting invited to the golden door award and i'm going to be taking all the women up there with me too so just give him the award back after he gives it to you yeah yeah (laughs) or maybe i'll start my own door you know what i mean maybe we'll do it maybe maybe 
Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> mad respect and mad respect in solar. Like I, you know, yeah, I just, people just don't, they still don't know. And I, some people are going to miss it. I think, I think some people are just going to miss the opportunity and I, and I hope they don't, I yes. hope nobody does, but I, and it's, it's still here. And I think it's still, you still got a couple years to get in. And if you don't, then yep. you're, you're going to be in a really, you'd rather be at the top of the wave. Like Ty said on the podcast, Yeah. then, you know, I have had so many people reach out to me and it was like, oh, but like, what if we like suck? What if I this like, like, why would you go into something that you don't know? And I'm like, look, all I know is I've got a set of skills. What I do know is bugs are never leaving this country. What is leaving is the tax credit. What is leaving is solar. So even if I only went and fell flat on my safe face for two summers, Guess how many people are going to be like, hey, I'm going to give you a bajillion dollars to come and knock pests for me or come and knock alarms for me. Those industries are not going anywhere. So it's like you can always go back if you are that great. It is totally fine. Go take a break for two years if you're just going to go and do solar. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like yeah, it's, it's unfounded fear, I think. Um, yeah. And so so and I know we're running out of time here and I, I really want to talk about like your movement. So with Females Knockers United, um, the kind of the stuff you've been doing with with Danny and, and Taylor and, and what's that been like? How long has that been around? Let's pl- I mean, please plug all your stuff, plug how they can find the coaching, plug the podcast. Like, you know, I think it's really important for women in our industry. Hopefully this can reach many of them. Um, you know, and if somebody's listening to the podcast and they know a woman in the industry, please pass, you know, this yeah. podcast and solely along to them. So, you know, everyone can, you know, cause it's important that we have a tribe. And so plug all that stuff, please. Thank you. And, and I'll be honest, I felt a lot of guilt when I started, um, when I was trying to start the movement, because when I first started in the industry, I fell into this mindset of just you know, we're not going to recruit girls. Like we're always going to look for guys. Like how often do you go into a room and you're willing to recruit a guy who can do 50 accounts, you know, and be there for four months and you're going to like disregard, uh, women. And, and, and I was one of those, like, we'll go find a guy who can do a hundred accounts, but not go find a girl who's going to, you know, recruit and, and be just as amazing. And this actually started this last year. It was super new. Uh, after I did the uh, thousand accounts and just felt like I wasn't getting any tools, I was like, well, if I want to see change, it's going to start with me. Even if I don't have, even if I don't know people, I felt like I knew nobody in the industry, but I was just going to start small and I was just going to create a page and hope that I could reach people who could help me just spread. And um, my coaching program, I feel bad. A lot of people do know about, I actually have a waiting list, but I'm just not taking anyone because I felt like I have a team of like 10 women. I didn't realize that I was going to come and run a team for solar. First of all, when I started the coaching program, but I felt too, um, like I can uh, take that away from women who were already paying to be coached, like regionals reaching out to me. And so I started the, uh, females knocker unite page back in November And I was just like, well, this is just going to be a way that I can hope that people from internet, people from dish or just women in different parts of the industry would just like reach out to me and just like introduce themselves so that when other people are like, Hey, I would like to, I am on this team for like dish or I'm on this team for alarms, but I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. Do you know anyone who could help me? It was more of like starting as just like a tool or a way for all of us women who there's only two or three of us, the majority of times on a team. 
And a lot of times we're feeling alone. A lot of times we're feeling compared to a lot of times we're just like our team leaders don't understand, but it's like, how can I help them grow on those teams while they're still only being three or four of them? And I just wanted to have a page or like a space where people felt like they're over there knocking for Vivint and there's women that I don't even know. And I'm like, holy cow, you did four deals in like a freaking week. And they are stoked, but they're the only girl on their team. But they feel like that there's a group of people who's cheering them on. Same with like Dish and same with even Solar. I have plenty of women who reach out to me and it's like, I'm the only woman for like Solar. And I love coming here just to see other women finding success. And so that's all it is because we are a minority. I just wanted a place to where it's not like we all have to go work in one industry. We all have to go and cheer each other on only if we're on the same team. And I feel like sometimes us as women, we can be a little catty too. I never wanted to share my tips. I never want, like, I was like, hey, Sully, there's this girl who's beating you. You're three and not. And it was just like, well, I'm not going to let her and I'm not going to send her any tips. I'm not going to do any of these things. And so me creating this space and me doing this is me trying to also make up for how petty that I felt like only one person can be at the top. And it was just like, I have turned and like uh, adopted this mindset of of abundance and want to see every single woman on the top but it's only going to happen if we can see each other, like cheering each other on. And so if you, my podcast is called sales with Suli. And the funny thing is it was never supposed to be public. It was literally just for the girls that I was coaching. I wanted to be able to just give them tips that they can listen to like every Sunday before they started knocking on Mondays, because a lot of times we just need a little bit more of emotional coaching and we're going to go and kill it throughout the week, but we're not getting emotional coaching in our, in our team meetings. We're not getting mental space, um, ways of being able to overcome doors and things like that. Mm. And so it was just a way to give my girls tips on Sunday and help them humanize me that big number, but that I'm struggling just the same way that you guys are and you guys can do it too. And then it just became, um, a way of so many girls and people just reaching out the reason that I'm excited about it was because I came from a place where I thought that I had to like ask for permission. And it was just like the only way that you could go and like create something like this is if like guys like approve, mm. if you get approved for it, yeah. if you, if, if they're going to be paying for it. And I'm like, I started with nothing and I still do my podcast. Like there's no money to be made in my coaching. Like there's no money to be made in my podcast, but where all the joy and abundance comes from is when that girl at alarms was like, I did my best week after listening to that podcast or, Girls, like I'm the only one, but I shared some of those tips that you were giving. And like, even the guys were like ecstatic about it. I just think we're in an industry where it's just all about us. And we forget that there's enough doors for all of us to go around. Like there is enough money for everyone to have a million dollars if they so choose. And it's just going to have to start with us individually. Powerful, Sully. Uh, powerful, and, and I'm not, and I don't say that lightly because you know, and and I know that you're like, oh, before, and I, you know, I'm I'm being a little playful, but you know, like, oh, I'm not like good yeah. on the social, and I'm not this, but I don't know if you see it or not, and you know, and I'm not talking to you from like a you know a point of arrogance, but it's something that I just study, which is the personal brand, right? And like, yeah, people don't. And this is what I came to Lee with a year ago is I I saw a hole in the industry. Like there's plenty of guys that have podcasts. There's plenty of people that do trainings. But I know that there's a niche still here, which is it's not about me and it's not about Lee. It's about everybody else. 
right? And so we, I want us to be the, con- very similar to what you're saying. I want us to be the conduit to the well. I want people able to get as much information as they can from the podcast, provide as much fluid, plug everything you got. Because what you, what I know is certain is in the next five years, in any industry, if you don't have a personal brand, you're out. So yeah. that's a fact. Like, you, yeah, I, I will be... It, I can't wait to see where you're going to be in five years with that because it's just it's it's the abundance mindset of I'm just going to give 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 and I'm never going to ask for anything, you know whatever like you just said very very exactly what you said which I respect so much which is like a Gary V thing, and it's just like that will come. I mean it's like a wave like it's just like a wave yeah. you know it's like this yeah. podcast doesn't make any money. I mean we dump. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been some money dumped into this sucker. You know what I I'm saying? You know what I mean? And like, like even me having a camera crew, I'm like, frick, you're costly, but let's do it. Right. But like <laughs> what people don't see is like, if I can change one person's life, if I can be the conduit to yes. the change, if I can, you know, whatever that is, a spiritual thing or not, if I can just be the conduit to yes. help one person through the podcast, the change. And again, like we get, I mean, I get text messages. I got one yesterday. Dude's like, I've listened to you. He's like, more, I need more, I need more episodes. I've been through it three times. I'm like, I'm like, I hate the way I, I'm like, what? You listen to this, this thing? I'm like, okay. I'll shoot it to Lee because Lee get Lee, Lee, you know, I, I'm like, I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. like, you know, but no, but mad respect to that. And like, you know, the women that are listening and even the men, I mean, I don't give a shit. Like, I, you know, I'm getting, I'm vibing off of you tough. Like, I, you know, you're giving me a ton of, you know, this is my Sunday. I'm going to go crush the week off of this one. I'll tell you that much. And like, yeah just knowing that like you know you if you can do it i can do it if you can if you can overcome that like i you know i can overcome it and i think that like that's what people don't understand is is the doors are the great equalizer but like you said you can make millions of dollars on doors if you just don't quit and if you just keep going and grinding you know yeah i i definitely agree and and that was also like one thing too when i first started was just that i knew if if i started something like there's just not enough uh, um I don't know, not enough of us like women who just has the courage to just start something and keep being consistent with it. And so even though I had only started, you know, in November, just like a little bit, like kind of also like seeing the brand grow and people who are reaching out um, and things like that, who are trying to help expand, um, to help expand the space for women. I've been like super grateful, even you having me on, on your podcast, like I feel honored that you were wanting to just like you guys reach out and actually allow me to to be able to speak on this and taylor and freaking like danny pesky who like allows us because you guys are you guys don't have to you guys can continue to be macho and continue to have the guys come (laughs) and do all these things even you know here at pure you know the thought of like having a woman vp it's just like aside from like us women doing our things like i am grateful for the men like you guys who are allowing us the space to be able to join you and it's just, uh, I, I felt super it just compelled. And I, I've just felt so excited about those of you guys who are also stepping up in your own space for us. Thank you. Yeah. So, and I just want to jump in real quick and, and, you know, first of all, give you again, a tremendous shout of gratitude. And, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, what, what, what I've heard from you from a very young age, and it sounds like a lot of the women in your early life was there was just a lot of grit and tenacity, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and it, it doesn't sound like it was easy. 
but it also doesn't sound like it was hard. And I think you, you yeah. had a, a mind frame of, I'm just going to make it happen from a very young age. And, you know, I loved what you said yeah. about being a woman of color and you just don't think of it. Um, and, you know, to me, and the one thing I disagree with is, and I appreciate you saying you appreciate the men letting you in this space, but I, I feel like the women have just kicked the door in, you know, it's like, how, how can we ignore all of these amazing and powerful women? I'm just not a person that can stand by shoulder to shoulder next to a woman who, you know, tells a story like you've told and not have an enormous amount of respect for everything that you've done. I mean, you're out there knocking when you're pregnant. You should see me when I have a cold. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm a, my whiny, husband too. I'm a whiny little bitch. You know, you're out there knocking pregnant. You're, yeah. I, you know, it's just like, so to, you know, to yeah. say thank you for letting us in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming into the industry. Hey. And we, we have some really tough and strong, highly successful women on our team. Um, and you are, you know, you've just really done an amazing thing with, with your life. And I just wanted to give a sh shout out to Walter too, um, your husband <laughs> and, and hearing, you know, what he's done for you and, you know, the people that I learned from, you know, I remember when I was back at Vivint and we went to a Vivint um, getaway here at Pirates Cove in Vegas and Kenny Cox, uh, who I just absolutely love Kenny, but you go into the rooms and he had thought about every, every person's wife or significant other. And there was flowers in there and, <laughs> People don't put enough appreciation and love to the, to the spouses. Yes. Um, you know, my takeaways, my takeaways from you, Sully, is you just, you have not had one single excuse from being a woman to being a woman of color, <laughs> to being in a male industry. You just, you kicked the damn door in and, and you came <laughs> in the room and, and I just have a mad amount of respect for you. I'm, um, I was a fan before and I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to tell a little secret. That's not a little secret anymore. When I recruit women in our company, I send them a link of your podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Automat <laughs> I'm like, here, listen to this Please. because they, they, they can relate, you know, cause I'm a person like, if it's I can true. do it, you can do it. If Sully can do it, you can do it. Like, you know, pull your boots up, square oh your God. shoulders up and let's go to work. So I appreciate what you're doing in the oh industry and for the women. And I just think you're an amazing person. I was a fan before, but I gotta tell you, I'm a super fan now. So thanks for being on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee, for, for doing that, because that's all I'm asking. I don't want anything in return, but for women to know that they are definitely in a great space. So the more that we can like share that and actually give advice and, and tools, the more that they're going to want to stick around and invite their friends and sisters and aunts and, and whatever. And, you know, maybe they'll one day there'll be just as many uh, female knockers as there are guys, you know, so. Hopefully not. I won't have a job. <laughs> you will <laughs> no i'm just kidding but yeah we'll uh again and i know you got to go probably sell five or more today but um <laughs> you know um, i sent my brother to the appointment so we're good oh you're a kind woman <laughs> lucky yeah. for him yeah lucky for him <laughs> i'd like to follow behind you too um <laughs> no i uh listen i'm gonna when we post this it'll i'll i'll link everything for your stuff in there as well we'll link it in the in the podcast Perfect. so if anyone's listening you can find all our stuff in the podcast um it'll also be on the youtube channel um as well as the instagram so you know please follow suli like you know hit her up um hit us up if you need anything if you know women in the industry you know show them this show them this podcast please and, and let's try to spread this throughout so again um suli we really appreciate you carving out some time in your busy schedule to get on with us and um you know hopefully we can 
we can meet in real yeah. life one day and uh, we can we can talk shop and, and and shoot the shit and you know hang out at so, the golden door we'll meet okay i'll go i mean i'm not going to get one but i'll i mean i'll probably end up getting one but he moved the yardstick but i'll get one i don't know if i'd okay. want that thing anymore if i was you if you deserved it and didn't get it i'd kind of be like listen buddy keep it keep it son I'm going to tell you. We're all going to go hang out and talk about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you so much. And I, we just really appreciate it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. So, again, thank you so much. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Lee. I'll see you guys soon. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. If you have any questions or ideas, please contact us on Instagram at Arcadia LV, or at The Door Knocker Podcast. Our show is produced at 11th Street Records in downtown Las Vegas. Thanks for listening.